Hit the edge with your Premier League betting predictions. Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You can buy betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. EPL Insights with data provided by InfoGoal. This is a pinnacle podcast. And if you like winners, well, you've come to the right place. Gareth Wheeler alongside Jake Osgathorpe with you once again at Gareth Wheeler at Jake Oz with two Zs. You can find us on Twitter there. We're covering everything when it comes to the Premier League reflections and projections ahead of another busy week. Uh, tip of the cap out of the gate. Jake comes back from his honeymoon. He's away. He's gallivanting across the globe for a month and he comes back absolutely on flames. Well done last week. What did you end up with? Because we both nailed on our best bets, but you were absolutely on fire, my friend. Yeah, it went really well. Um, you know, way from the computer screen, from the underlying numbers and, and refreshed the minds. Uh, and it, it, it seemed to do the trick. Um, yeah, we, 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 did, we did well. The the best bet landed, which is, is always nice. That's a double pointer. And um, yeah, both teams scoring the Manchester derby was a good one. Fulham scoring a late um, consolation to, to land both teams scoring. That was nice also. Uh, I think it was finished with six out of eight that actually won. Um, a couple that didn't. I, I should have listened to you on the Monday night game. You went with the straight overs uh, on the goal line. I went with the both teams to score and overs. Forrest obviously didn't oblige. Um, and Leeds had Leeds to be Aston Villa and the, the early red card really scuppered that one. So um, can't complain too much though. We're very, plenty of profit over the weekend. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, like in the totals over recent weeks, the goal totals rather than the actual results, it's just, I think that's going to be another trend for me again this week. Uh, we might as well touch on kind of the two big games of the weekend, uh, the two derbies, North London Derby and the Manchester Derby, both ended up anticlimactic in terms of the end results. But there's plenty to feast on in terms of talking points coming out of those games. You nailed on your Arsenal bet in that opening match of the weekend. Uh, well done to you. That Emerson Royale red card kind of threw things out of whack because I thought it was a little bit competitive until that point. But Arsenal just keep on rolling, Jake. They do, yeah. And, uh, and as I said in last week's pod, I very rarely oppose Arsenal when they're playing at home. Um, and, you know, purely because the underlying process and the results over the last... 22, 23 games now since the start of last season have been um, on a level with the likes of uh, Liverpool and Manchester City. That was the case again this weekend. You know, they racked up over two expected goals. Spurs really struggled to create good chances. They, I mean, really, Harry Kane's penalty um, that, that made their XG total look respectable. Uh, fully deserved win, but you're right, the, the red card did turn the game because you felt that while there was 11 men on the pitch, um, Spurs would create chances and... Conte would have the opportunity to make some uh, really positive subs and try and ultimately get Spurs back in the game. But as soon as he went down to 10, it was a, a more defensive approach and trying to hit on the counter-attack, which kind of took the sting out of the game and just sort of made it very, very easy for us in the last half an hour. You called it a big test for Arsenal last weekend. Uh, this weekend, Liverpool, I cannot wait to get into that game in a few moments' time. As for the Manchester derby, it was over before you even noticed 4-0 at halftime. Uh, what was more standout for you? The fact that Foden and Holland both scored hat-tricks, just the fourth time in Premier League history that teammates have scored a hat-trick in the same game? Or is it the fact that Erling Holland now has three hat-tricks in his last five games? Yeah, it's, it's bonkers, isn't it? I mean, the fact that both scored a hat-trick is, is ridiculous. Um, that's only happened four times in Premier League history, as you've said. It's extremely rare. Um, but yeah, Haaland is just an absolute monster. He's, he's scoring all kinds of goals. I mean, main, mainly you, you find him in the six-yard box and he's tapping you know, balls into the net. But for his first goal, he's just bullied somebody from a corner and, and nodded it in. And, um, yeah, he just gives them so much threat. He really is. Um, there was a really good piece over here on uh, Monday Night Football between Neville and Carragher and they were talking about how literally it's more mentality and mindset when, when it comes to defending Haaland right now. They're, everyone's scared of him. The defence is scared of him. They don't know whether to get tight because he's so strong that he can pin you and turn you or whether to drop off. But then that gives him the space, as we saw 
to set up the uh, goals, which is what he did um, for Foden's hat trick. He dropped off, no one went with him. Everyone was dropping deeper and deeper because they were frightened to death. Um, and that's ultimately what he's he's brought to the table. He, he, he provides plenty of space in that sort of number 10 position for Manchester City because he stretches the defence. And it means that the likes of De Bruyne and Foden are flourishing at the moment. And they are a frightening proposition. If, if you were paying attention at both Salzburg and Dortmund, you saw this coming. The only thing that kind of held him back for overall goal total on, on, a, on the season was injury. That's it. And that's the only question mark about Erling Holland. Like this is beyond what we've seen from some of the greats, you know, the starts of the career for Romario, Ronaldo, uh, go down the list of all time, great strikers. Holland's rewriting the history books as we speak and playing in a Manchester city side like this with the Bruyne, Bernardo, Grealish, like go down the list. Of, of providers, players that are just wonderful in distribution. Like the sky's the limit here. Like the thing that United were naive in and, and look, I, I was on the plus goal and a half Manchester United with the spread in this game at plus one Oh three seemed a decent number for me, a rejuvenated United side. But when you don't play Casemiro, when you don't have players in the midfield that can close down and, cut down on time and space. Echo that for the attacking players as well. No pressure on the Man City back four. It was just such a naive approach. And I think that sides need to eliminate that distribution if you're going to try to stop or limit Erling Holland. You do, yeah. But you know, the, the issue you've got is that when City have the ball in the back in the, the deep areas with playing it around the back and trying to suck you in, the, the Haaland factor means that your defense is probably not as high as what it should be. Because which ultimately leaves a bigger pocket of space between your pressing players and your back line. Um, and that's purely because Haaland is so quick, so dynamic, that everyone's scared of the, the ball over the top, the quick spin around. Um, and that ultimately meant, I think it led to Haaland's goal, actually. The, the, the one where De Bruyne clipped a lovely ball in and Haaland scooped it in the back post. That was all created from Haaland just sitting on the last line of defence and just meant that when City did break through the press, there was just a huge gap because the defence was so deep compared to where they should have been. Uh, he's a nightmare to sort of play against. He's a dream for Pep because he provides the space for uh, for teammates. Yeah, he doesn't get involved in the play as much as what potentially Harry Kane would have done maybe if he was at City. But ultimately, City are a chance-creating machine and Haaland is one of the best players in the world at being in the right place at the right time, and which is why he finds himself... With easy tappings, pretty much. I mean, I say easy tappings, he makes them look easy, doesn't he, with his finishing? But um, yeah, that, that's why he, he, it's a match made in heaven, really. And um, the, the frightening thing is, obviously, not only is he playing for this current Manchester City, but he's like 21, 22. He's not even near the kind of levels of prime that we see, um, even the early starters like Rooney hit around 20, 24, 25. So he's only going to get better. He's obviously got one of the best managers, if not the best manager in the world in his ear, um, pointing things out to him to, to help him improve. And he seems like that kind of character as well, that he won't just stand still. He'll strive for more and more and more and um, records will tumble. I think there was a graphic during or maybe after the Manchester derby that um, the fastest player in Premier League history to score three hat-tricks. It took him eight games. I think second on the list was 48 games. It's just it's just absolutely ridiculous. It maybe 46, Michael Owen, and 48, um, maybe on read. But yeah, it's just it's mind-boggling, really, the kind of numbers he's putting up. And to think that he's already on 14 goals this season, after was it eight matches, he's already seven goals in front of his nearest challenger in the Golden Boot. Uh, yeah, I think is he is eight eight goals off time last season's Golden Boot tally. He's got thirty games to do that. It, yeah. It's literally it's the, the numbers we've never seen in the Premier League. The more what we saw from the Messi Ronaldo era in the league, aren't they? What, wasn't it 23 with Son and Salah last year? I mean, yeah, so it's, it's just ridiculous. Um, we'll see if either one of us is brave enough to make a Southampton play <laughs> against City uh, a little bit later on. That's upcoming. Uh, although I did get that game wrong. The totals, like I said, Leicester City, my best play, Leicester City in the over. Come on, Foxes. And Liverpool, Brighton with the new manager, Deserby. With Brighton, they play attacking football. It was a great game. Trussar with the hat trick as well in that one. Uh, just one other thing I wanted to bring up before we get into some XG and expected point totals. Um, 
Bruno Lage was my preseason bet. One of my favorite future plays as the first manager sacks. Do you know how much I've been cursing Scott Parker for opening up his mouth and complaining? His side's doing fine. Borg has been a competitive, plucky team. What you expect of him. If he just kept his mouth shut, your boy wheels up here would have cashed a Bruno Lage first manager to be sacked play. Based upon info goal and XG and expected goals against last year. Like Wolves rode their luck last season under this manager. It was it was written in the stars. Again, Scott Parker had to intervene and, and ruin the day for your boy over here. Yeah, I feel a bit bad for you because that was a it was a cracking bet, wasn't it? I mean, sometimes when it comes to gambling, you have a, a really good bet and you don't get the right outcome. Yeah. Um, and that, that's the case here because the logic was sound. Um, I think we both looked at Bournemouth's schedule and it was very difficult schedule to start the season. They had three or four of the top four or five from last season. Um, and that, to me anyway, usually you're not expected to win those games. You don't really get sacked if you're a lowly team. Uh, whereas Wolves, as you said, finished last season horrendously. All the data was really negative and, and things have carried on in the same manner. So um, yeah, it's a cracking bet and just a, a bit of a bad beat on that one. Let's talk, you know, we mentioned Erling Holland and his conversion rate, what he's done thus far. Like he is, what are the numbers when it comes to Holland? He has 14 goals uh, on the season thus far. Uh, his XG is 8.62. That's best in the league as well. Um, are there players, some other players that might be punching a little bit above their weight in terms of XG totals? What stands out to you in terms of individual player performance? Yes, there's a couple really that um, are massively overperforming. The main one's Haaland. Uh, you know, he's 14 goals from 8.6 XG. There is a big caveat though with Haaland in the sense that while he has, in terms, overperformed traditional XG, the chances that he's getting on the end of are more often than not big chances. So chances that we would expect to see scored basically. Um, we, we generally class as a big chance as having a, a, an XG of 0.35 or bigger. So one in three chance of being scored. The chances Haaland's getting on the end of are around 0.4, 0.5. So it's no surprise at all to see him overperform his, his, his underlying numbers. Uh, it's not like he's taking pot shots from distance. He's generally in the best, in the right place at the right time uh, with, with, like I said before, fairly easy-looking tap-ins. Um, it's the opposite for the guy second on the list, which is James Madison. He's got five goals from an XG total of 1.35. Um, so he's overperforming his XG by... Three and a half XG just over. Um, I think you only had to watch him, didn't you, against Nottingham Forest, and he scored two goals from long distance to see why that's the, why the, that, that's happening. Um, and that's why there's a little bit of a clamour this morning around um, Madison for England for the World Cup, and that those kind of statistics to me, <laughs> I, I would not be going anywhere near him because he's a streaky finisher uh, and he likes a shot from distance. And usually, I mean, I, I work in statistics. The more you shoot from distance, um, yeah. Roughly ten shots to score one from twenty-five yards, um, and he's riding a hot streak at the minute. And you know all that clamour for him to be in the England squad. Come back to me in two months' time, just before the World Cup, and I, I, I imagine that his actual goal total will pretty much mirror his XG total because he'll get very cold on the goal scoring front. Because um, there's a lot of luck involved, you know. Uh, dead ball situations are a bit of a caveat for him and the likes of James Ward-Prowse because they are um, above average when it comes to shot placement and shot power. Um, but shooting from distance is, is a very unreliable um, sort of way of looking at uh, how good a player is, in, in my opinion. And uh, Trossard's third on the list and Foden fourth. Two players that they've scored five goals, which is really good tallies, but two players that I think, we, I mean, you only have to watch Trossard at the weekend. He, he was on the end of four pretty big chances. So they weren't like pot shots from distance. He's getting in good, good scoring areas and making the most of them. And it's the same for Foden as well. So um, the only real... Asterisk I put at this stage of the season next to a player that's overperforming without reasoning um, is Madison. Interesting. Trossard is also playing in a side where they don't have that goal scoring number nine, that they really rely upon players like him and McAllister playing in behind to create chances. And we'll see still a new manager and, and we'll see how the evolution with Brighton affects perhaps Trossard's play. Um, let's also, it's a little bit difficult here at the start of the season because of the delay in games. Some, some teams are through eight games. Some teams are through, uh, you know, different number of matches played. 
because of the delays last month. What would a top six look like right now in terms of expected points? Is is the table telling the truth or is there room for potential lies when you're looking at the table and the way different sides are performing? It definitely lies at the moment. Um, it, that tends to be the case early on the season because you do get a few more freak results. Um, well, yeah, and a smaller sample size, which means that the, the numbers can be um, unreliable. But we're getting to a period now where we are getting a very good handle on teams in terms of the data. They've played a, a decent enough sample now, coupled with the back end of last season for, for teams that obviously have the consistency when it comes to managers and players, uh, where we could kind of... Yeah, we've got a handle on what they're doing. And um, like you said, we've got a little bit of an uneven game spread. So rather than just looking at pure expected points, we have to look at expected points per game. Um, to get a sort of a true reflection of as to who the, the six best teams have been. And no surprise, Man City sit top. Um, they've got quite a big lead over, over Arsenal when it comes to expected points per game, just just about 0.3 expected points per game. So that equates to, you know, quite a lot of expected points over the season. Liverpool are probably the surprise. They're third based on expected points per game at 1.96. Uh, Brighton fourth, Spurs fifth, and Newcastle have been sixth. But then again, they are seventh in the table. So um, not really a surprise there. The, the other maybe standouts are probably West Ham, currently 15th in the table, their ninth unexpected points per game, which suggests that they've probably been a little bit unfortunate so far this season. Um, and then the big overperformers really are Manchester United, uh, who's at sixth in the table, but are you know down in I think 10th or 11th based on expected points per game. And I think, you know we spoke about this last week, I think, in, in the sense that Man United's results have been. Uh, by very fine margins, and, and when they, when that is the case, and they won the extra battle at Southampton and Leicester, but by a very small margin, and, and that ultimately means that when we're doing these calculations for expected points, um, they don't pick up as many expected points as a wide XG margin victory, um, which ultimately the wider the margin based on XG in a given game, the more expected points you're going to get, and the more um, consistently good you're going to perform, uh, and the results will take a turn for the better. So, yeah. Man United probably a team to, to side against at this moment in time until we see a bit more of a consistent upturn. Um, and yeah, it seems like West Ham potentially could be turning a corner. But Newcastle look a really interesting proposition because they've had um, they've obviously played City and Liverpool already this campaign. They've had some really unfortunate home results, um, which, yeah, probably I think the last two, they should have all been wins. Um, I think it's Crystal Palace and... Uh, I'm blanking on the last one. Was it Bournemouth the last yeah. that the, they drew with? Two games that they should have won. Um, and yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about them and this when we get to the, the their game this weekend, but they're definitely one to keep an eye on. Beautiful. Interesting. There's six teams that have only played seven games thus far. Three of them are in the top six in terms of actual points in the table. But uh, we'll see how that, all that plays out. Are you ready to crack on with this week's plays? A reminder, all of your best odds feature at Pinnacle.com, the best betting odds for the Premier League and really any sport that you're wagering on as well. Uh, Let's start off with um, this one's intriguing. I don't think I have a play here, but it's fifth place Chelsea and 18th place Wolves. We documented it. Bruno Lodge is out at Wolves. They're coming off that 2-0 loss at West Ham. Their XG has been abysmal. 0.98 0.98 last week, 0.3 the, the week before, just three goals scored in eight games overall. I worry about Wolves, and it might not be that new or interim manager bump because Collins and Neves are suspended. Jimenez and Neto remain out, and they've gone under the two and a half goal total in four of their last five games. Grand Potter, as predicted by Jake, uh, picked up his first victory, 2-1 over Palace, but nothing came easy. Diego Silva could have, would have, should have potentially been sent off, stayed on the field, ended up setting up Aubameyang's first goal for Chelsea. Then Connor Gallagher, the, the player who was on loan at Palace last season, delivered the dagger in the 90th minute. Um, no clean sheets in eight for Chelsea, but they've gone over the two and a half goal total in games they played, six out of eight, and both teams have scored in five out of six. Head-to-head, three straight draws between Chelsea and Wolves, including 2-2 in this fixture a season ago. Chelsea, a considerable favorite, minus 262 uh, for the home win. And a way win, if you're backing Wolves to respond to the managerial change, plus 823. The spread is set at minus a goal and uh, a quarter. That's a one-point 2-5, minus 114 for the over for Chelsea. If you like Wolves to cover that, it comes in at plus 105. The goal total is set at 2.5, minus 104 for the over, minus 106 for the under. 
is there too much unknown in this game? What side do you find yourself on, if any, Jake? Um, at the prices, I'm definitely on the Wolves side. Uh, I think Chelsea are too short. The As you said, I, I tipped Chelsea to win last week. Got very lucky with that late goal. Um, it was a, another pretty below average performance, you'd have to say. Um, from a, a chance creation standpoint, they really, really struggled yet again to carve out good opportunities. Uh, and I think that could be a, a, an ongoing issue until they find their, their groove on the potter. You know, Wolves, they are a team that will hang in. Defensively, they are fairly good. They, they actually rank as the eighth best defensive team so far this season. 1.3 expected goals against per game. And, and Chelsea, as I've said, they're, they're struggling in attack. And uh, at the time of recording, we're recording this on Tuesday. Chelsea do play in, in the Champions League, which has to be seen as a negative for this game as well. Um, they, prior to the Champions League game, they've actually generated just 1.4 expected goals for per game across their Champions League and Premier League matches. So they are struggling to carve out good opportunities and that, that could well prove a massive issue um, uh, against Wolves. There's also the massive caveat of we don't know if Wolves will have appointed a new manager um, by the time this game starts. There's a lot of rumours they, they were linked with the Sporting Lisbon manager Ruben Amarim, um, the Sevilla manager Julian Lopetegui who is apparently wanted um Sevilla want him out so you know there's every chance that he could be in the dugout and if he is then you'd have to say any new manager that comes in you'd have to see is a big positive for Wolves as well just purely because of the the unknown from a Chelsea standpoint I mean how can you game plan um, for a match and then have a different manager come in and and, you know yeah you've got decent tape on on the likes of Lapetegui and and Amarim and the teams and what kind of they they want to play but it's a massive unknown for the Chelsea scouting team as well so um, yeah I, I think that the I think Chelsea. I think Chelsea will win the game, but I just think with a handicap, I think Wolves will cover the one and a half um, it, with a head start. I think Wolves will win the game with a one and a half goal head start. I just don't think Chelsea will create enough chances and score enough goals to win by two clear goals. I think I think it'll be another if they do win, it'll be another one nil or two one. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I think the the price is minus one twenty six. That appeals to me because I just don't think I can trust Chelsea just yet. Um, and, and Wolves. As you've said, they're missing key players. That's even more reason for them to sit deep and try and counterattack because they can't potentially keep hold of the ball and progress the ball with like, without the likes of Nevers. So, yeah, I do like Wolves uh, with a head start. Yeah, um, I'll be a keen observer, but that's about it. You're right, Chelsea plays Milan, AC Milan in the Champions League at home on Wednesday. Just these injuries, too much unknown when it comes to Wolves. So it's to stay away for this week, and we'll see where we end up next week. Uh, let's move on. Manchester City, uh, second place in the table, hosting 16th place Southampton. City, of course, coming up at three, a 6-3 victory over uh, Manchester United. A 3.068 XG to the 1.72 for Manchester United in that game. Largely with the game done and dusted, City just held back and really didn't provide much in the second half at all. The two hat-tricks, Holland and Foden, the third hat-trick in five, well, his last five EPL games for Erling Holland, 29 goals for Man City. That's nine more than anyone else. And their 20.1 XG, it pales in comparison, but it's still the best in the Premier League at this time. Uh, Holland, we already mentioned earlier, 14 goals on the season. Uh, but there are some injury issues in the City team. Stones, Phillips, Rodri, Walker uh, all look to be out this weekend. They play Copenhagen in the Champions League on Wednesday. They go away next week to Copenhagen as well. They've won four straight without a loss in 11. They've gone over the two and a half goal total in nine of 10 and been the first to score five of six. I do also think it's worth mentioning in the Premier League next weekend, I'm not sure if you subscribe to lookaheads, but they are at Liverpool next weekend. Southampton disappointing 2-1 loss to Everton last weekend. Arebo scored first. Two goals in three minutes for Everton in the second half. Gave them the victory. They were competitive in the XG, but largely just simply not good enough. Third straight loss for Southampton as well. They really missed the, for, missed the former City product in Lavia. He's still out through injury. Haven't picked up a clean sheet in their last five and been the first to concede in four of five. City have not lost to Southampton in the last five times they played, but they did draw twice last, last season to Spurs, nil-nil, and a 1-1 at St. Mary's. Um, are City just too good to, to bet against here because, I mean, it's a minus 667 for a City win, plus 1660 for a Southampton away victory. But I will say this, looking at the handicap, minus two and a half 
That jumps off the page to me. So you can get two goals with Southampton and still win. And that plays at minus 112. That stands out. I'm just not sure I'm brave enough to make that bet. The goal total is set at 3.75 for this one as well. What do you make of this? Are we in a position where you just simply cannot bet against Man City right now? Basically, yeah. Um, you know, they've won three out of three home games, haven't they? Um, yeah, they've looked, or maybe four out of four, actually. They are losing tracks. They've scored so many goals. I was just looking. I completely forgot the hits. Not even Forest for six as well. So, um, yeah, they, they're a frightening proposition, uh, especially at the Etihad. But while it is hard to find value in terms of the, the traditional markets, like the likes of the, the handicap and the, and the outright, I do think both teams to score is a is a live runner again, just purely because of the the, the defensive sort of numbers they've put up so far this season and the injuries and potential omissions uh, that you just stated there. Because they they started the Manchester derby with a Kanji and Aki at centre half. That's not really inspiring, is it? You know, you've got no Diaz, you've got no Laporte, you've got no Stones. Now there's every chance that one or two of those might come in for this if they're nearing fitness, but. With the Liverpool game on the horizon, you'd have to think that he probably Pep would probably want to save save them and, and make sure that they are properly right ahead of that game, as opposed to throwing them into this game where you could easily see City winning four five one. Um, you know, defensively they've actually conceded one point two five goals per game at home so far this season, and expected goals against per game at home at zero point eight nine, which is actually up by around 0.3 um, on the, the total last season. So they are conceding more chances, but they're creating more, obviously, and scoring more. Um, and that seems to be the way in which they approach things at home. They seem to be playing, uh, will score more than you, and, and ultimately they will score more than you. Um, and Southampton, off the boil a little bit, they have continued to create chances. As you mentioned, they, they hit you know, over two expected goals against Everton. Away at Wolves, they actually won the XG battle in a, in a 1-0 defeat. Uh, at home to Chelsea, they created plenty enough. Uh, and again, against Manchester United, they created plenty. So they, they are a team that are capable of creating chances, particularly in the transitions. And I do think that of all of the possible betting angles, both teams to score at an odds again price. You're looking at plus 107. That just looks a big price to me um, for, for Southampton just getting on the score sheet. We just need Southampton to score really, don't we? Because the yeah. chance of City drawing a blank are extremely low. Um, yeah, and, and it, it, obviously when Crystal Palace went there, this bet won with a 4-2. I think that that's the only way to play this is, is to just try and get some value out of Manchester City's defensive absentees. Interesting. Um, I can be convinced of that. For me, it's Southampton plus two and a half goals uh, on on the handicap or nothing. I just I just look at this and I say Southampton have have been competitive in every game but one they've played this season. This is the opening game of the season. Four one loss to Spurs. Every other loss came by just a goal. Um, a congested schedule for City. I think that the Southampton team is better than they've been performing. And you just need to hope that, you know, City potentially get a, a lead by a goal or two and just you know, just park it with, with Champions League and Liverpool in mind moving forward. But I'll be I'll be more tempted. I'm not committing to this play, by the way, Jake, but I'd be more tempting if it gets somewhere closer to even money on this um, to, to make it worth my while um, taking this chance. It sounds crazy. Two and a half goals with the handicap, taking a chance. But th- that's the state of play with Manchester City right now. So... That's all yeah, I have I, for that game. I personally wouldn't be going anywhere near opposing City on any kind of handicap, to be honest. Uh, I will be nervous. I would be. Last, uh, if, if the four home games, they've covered this, the two and a half goals, spread in three of them. Um, yeah. So, you know, and I know what you're saying in terms of they, they might want to just sort of cruise when they get one or two up, but this City team doesn't seem to be playing like that, especially with Haaland up front. He's trying to score as many goals as possible, um, which which means that they, they go for the throw effectively, hence the 4 0, the 6 0, and We'll call it six one instead of six three, shall we? Because they did they did just let United in a little bit at the end. Yeah, I, I wish I was more brave here. I wish I could, you know, make that my bet of the week. It's just simply not happening. Uh a really good one from the Amex is fourth place Brighton hosting third place Spurs. Brighton, what a performance. Three three at Liverpool. Uh, you know, a lot of the conversation afterwards was what's wrong with Liverpool, but Brighton have been full value. It doesn't even matter who the manager's manager is. Deserby, as advertised, they came out and played attacking football. A 2.63 XG to 2.01 in that game, favoring the home side. But Brighton was well in it. They have the fifth best. 
best expected goal differential overall. Brighton do not have a clean sheet in their last three games, and they've gone over the two and a half uh, total in four of their last five games. They've been very good at home, two wins and a draw out of, gate, out of the gate this season as well. Spurs lost the North London Derby. Um, like I said earlier, Emerson Royale being sent off, changed the complexion. Harry Kane now, however, scored in back-to-back games. Kulisevsky's hurt. Spurs don't have a clean sheet in their last three, and they've lost their last two away matches as well to Arsenal and Sporting. A difficult Champions League game midweek as well against Eintracht Frankfurt. Head-to-head, both these sides won their one away against one another last season. In this fixture, it was Spurs 2, bright nil last season. Um, Spurs a little bit, just a little bit of a favorite here, paying one uh, plus 159 for the win. Uh, Brighton plus 185 for the win there. The total set at two and a half, minus 104 for the over, minus 106 for the under. So things kind of split down the middle. It just depends what side you find yourself on. What side do you find yourself on, Jake? I'm definitely on the side of Brighton in this one. Um, not be backing them just to win the game. I'll be taking them on a handicap, uh, plus nil on the Asian handicap. Still getting a good price at plus 106. And that basically means if the game ends in a draw, we get our money back. Yeah, Brighton win the game, we get a nice uh, a nice winner. They look they look legitimate. You know, Brighton, I've been banging the drum for two, three years now. The underlying numbers have been absolutely staggering for Brighton for a long period of time. And, They've just carried on where they left off. They're um, they're creating loads of good chances, as we saw against Liverpool. They actually only had six shots in that game against Liverpool, believe it or not. Six shots, six shots on target, and an XG of two. So they've effectively, every chance that they had created was a big chance um, and had a really good probability of being scored. That's that's what you want. That's a dream. Um, And, yeah, the the home form this season has been really strong, as you mentioned. The the process has been really strong. um, And they've got a good record against Spurs. I think they've won three of the last six meetings. Spurs, um, I've got a little bit of a problem with Spurs. Uh, I'm hoping that I've not noticed a trend, but they're coming on the, to, coming on to my side here, Jake. Welcome. Yeah, no, it's, it's mainly it's, it's away it's away from home against good teams. They are they are struggling. They've lost. Uh, the XG battle in four of their five away matches in all competitions. The only one they won was against Nottingham Forest. Uh, away at Arsenal, away at Chelsea, away at West Ham and away at Sport in Lisbon. They were outplayed and outcreated based on expected goals. I'd put Brighton in, in a category of, of team that probably is a top seven, top eight kind of team, in which case they could have some real problems yet again. Um, and, you know, across those five games, they've allowed 1.6 expected goals against the game, which is a really lofty number. Um, and unless they kind of sort that out, then that could be really detrimental to the top four chances. Um, that's that's one of my main issues with Spurs, really, through the opening stretches. Is Granted, they have been tough away games in the league. You know, to go to Chelsea, Arsenal and West Ham in your first four away games is very difficult. But the performances they put in show um, that there's there's a lot of work to do. And I think Brighton are, are, are a good price to, to do something here. There's still that deserving factor of, of a little bit of an unknown quantity. Um, you know, he probably will, this this next week, just try and put a little bit of his own spin on, on, on Potterball um, and just continue, try and continue what he's doing in terms of uh, progressing Brighton and, and making them a real challenger for potential European places. So yeah, there, there's a lot, there's a lot I like about um, Brighton this week. And, and I think the price is nice. This is where the total train begins all aboard <laughs> uh, over two and a half at minus one Oh four for me, uh, Brighton. We've documented their attacking football that they play and attack money manager Spurs as well. Their last two games, they played to a three, one and a six, two, I, I'm actually pretty confident in the way that this team attacks and the way that they create. And if Emerson Royale doesn't get sent off, I think they would have found a second against Arsenal as well. So I think that the total is being undervalued here. And at minus 104, um, that's my play for, for this game this weekend. Especially um, with the deserve factor. Because he, he, you know, anyone who watched his team, Sassuolo, will know that he, they just play pure chaos football. It was... Yep. Open. It was chance laden, goal laden. Um, and if Brighton, if he brings that to Brighton, then the the overs, the, the line's just going to keep going up and up and up. And before you know it, it'll be over four and a half for even money. Yep. Yep. So uh, no doubt that's my play in that match uh, on Sunday. It's the game of the weekend. Top of the table, Arsenal facing what ninth place Liverpool. 
Let's start with the Gunners. 3-1 victory over Spurs, Party, Jesus, Xhaka, all with goals in that game. They've had a better XG than their opponent in every match they played this season thus far. So this isn't a fluke. This team is absolutely legit. Three consecutive wins since uh, falling to Manchester United. They've gone over the total of two and a half. Kids, listen to this. Seven out of seven. Both teams have scored in five of six, and they've been the first to score four of five. Still some injuries. Smith Rowe, Elneny, Cedric all out. As for Liverpool, they play Rangers on Tuesday. We're just in. Uh, 3-3 they played to Brighton. Another disappointing draw. They only dropped 22 points last season just had two losses so their form thus far this season is it's been alarming although Roberto Firmino has been a very nice story despite Mo Salah not scoring Firmino has five goals already Liverpool no clean sheet in their last three they've gone over the two and a half goal total in six of seven both teams to score in four or five Kata Robertson is he's still a doubt um and um Liverpool just haven't won away this season. So their away form is what is really in question, even though they still do have the third best expected goal differential head to head Liverpool dominated Arsenal. Let's be honest over the last two seasons, no losses in their last five games. They haven't conceded a goal to Arsenal in the last six times they played and Liverpool have been the first to score in four of five. And they won this fixture. Liverpool did last season. Two nil was the final at the Emirates. It's even Steven in terms of the odds here. Plus 164 for an Arsenal win. Plus 164 currently at Pinnacle for a Liverpool win. The total set at three plus 103 for the over minus 113 for the under. So what's the play here? Are you buying Arsenal to continue this going after a big win over Spurs on the weekend? Or do Liverpool kind of revert back to the old Liverpool we're accustomed to seeing in a critical game, really, for their Premier League ambitions this season? Yeah, I got to say, I'm on the side of Arsenal this week. Um, I think the price is fair. I think the, the basically we've got it as a pick em, haven't we? Um, and I think that's a great opportunity to get Arsenal plus no on the Asian handicap on side uh, backable price. You're getting minus 104. Uh, as I said last week, Arsenal are one of the best third, they are the third best home team in the Premier League. The underlying metrics they've put up on over a long period of time are simply sensational. The last 23 home games, they've averaged 2.3 expected goals for per game and 1.0 expected goals against per game. So they are, you know, on a general supremacy basis, game to game, they are very, very good. Um, and the Emirates has become a fortress. Uh, I was a little bit hesitant to back them against Spurs last week, um, just because I think Spurs are in a, uh, were in a, a decent place. Liverpool are not in a decent place. Um, this heading into this game, you know, attack attacking problem. There's no attacking problems. They, they're creating chances. They're scoring goals. Defensively, they are an absolute calamity at the moment. They are really easy to play against um, and against the better teams, which Arsenal obviously are. I think they'll get absolutely exposed. Um, I look at these sort of matchups and you've got Arsenal's front, front line of, of Jesus, Saka, Martinelli and Odegaard. That's an absolute... You know, it's a disaster waiting to happen for Liverpool, the way in which Liverpool want to play. Um, I think Martinelli will have a field day against Trent. I think he did, if you remember, uh, at the Emirates last season. Liverpool actually won the game 2-0, but Martinelli ran Trent ragged in that game. Um, and then I look at the flip side and, and you've got a really, really strong-looking Arsenal backline with, um, you know, White, uh, is it Saliba, Gabriel, uh, and Tierney if he's fit. If not, then Zinchenko plays. That, that's good enough to me to, to hold what Liverpool can do from a creative standpoint. And then I actually think that the, this game will be won and lost in the midfield because I'm looking at on paper, I think Arsenal's midfield is better than Liverpool's midfield at this moment in time. I would take, uh, the, if, if he's wow. fit, Par- Party, Xhaka and Odegaard um, over what Liverpool are putting out at the moment. Because they just look well off it. They look off the pace. Fabinho hasn't shown up this season. Um, Thiago has been in and out with injuries. Henderson, the same, has been in and out with injuries. Harvey Elliott has had some nice moments, but he's not really been consistent. Uh, you said there, Kate is out injured. Uh, Arthur Mello is still trying to find some sort of fitness. And, and I, I honestly think that this, this Arsenal team is at a level that can really compete now with Liverpool um, after the additions made in the summer. So, yeah, I, I think 
I'm not saying Arsenal will win the league. I think they're still way off the level of Manchester City, but they've closed the gap on Liverpool, which was half the job effectively. Um, and, you know, I, I really do think this is a good opportunity for Arsenal to make a real statement of intent. If they beat Liverpool, so just, just this is all obviously pie in the sky, but if they beat Liverpool and Man City fail to beat Liverpool next week, then it starts to become a serious rumbling of, right, Arsenal are going to win the league. Um I think that they'll get. A, I think they'll get a result at the very least here, um, and, and I think they are worth backing uh, with the plus null Asian handicap to to do so. Um, yeah, home the home. I, I just think Emirates. The Emirates has become a real fortress. It's a really difficult place to go. Um, Arteta has proven his worth, and Liverpool have issues. And um, you know, we look at the midweek European exploits. That's the only sort of question mark for me. Arsenal play on Thursday against Bodo Glimt. They're not two teams, by the way. They are. It's just one team. Um, <laughs> they, they. I think Arteta has to rotate for that game with this in mind. Um, if he doesn't, then I would be definitely slamming the brakes on this Arsenal selection. Um, but you know, the same token, Liverpool. They they need to win their Tuesday night game on the Champions League as well, so they'll be going fairly strong. More reasons, I, I think, to, to get Arsenal on side. And I see you grinning. I, I think you're going to disagree with me. I am. Um... This is my best bet of the weekend, by the way. Well, first of all, it's over the three goal total. I knew that was coming. Three. Yeah, I've I've got that down as a secondary bet myself as well. This is this is this is my this is my bet of the weekend. Liverpool still has the second best xG overall in the league, and they played a game less than most of the teams. Sixteen point nine in seven games to create chances. You know, it, it was very odd for me that Jurgen Klopp didn't play Diaz or Nunez from the start. Jota's been a, per, per, a peripheral figure. I think they can really test this Arsenal back line. And what are they really tested? When Arsenal commit numbers forward and they leave themselves exposed and open in the back. And Liverpool's shown over recent years that they are the best counterattacking side when some pressure's put on them. And it's not very often, but when it is, um, they can absolutely make you pay. I love over the total here. Arsenal's been over in every game, Liverpool in six of seven, uh, but they just score goals. So I will take over the total. My secondary play, Liverpool to win this game at plus 164 all day. Spin it back a month, Jake. What would the, what have this, what would this have line look like? Liverpool closer to even money here at plus 164. I think this game has market correction written all over it. You talk about true challenges for Arsenal. It's not Spurs. I I haven't never had Spurs in my top four coming into this season. It's beating a side like Liverpool that's owned them in recent vintage at home in a fixture that now Arsenal the way that you're spinning it, and a lot of people are, they should actually be considered favorites in this game. I don't think they are. I think the market's got it wrong here. I favor Liverpool in this game at what plus 164. I'm taking that to the bank. You're a brave man. Um, I just I just can't trust them at the minute, Liverpool. The, the brave. Defense. Think about what you're saying here. It's brave to back Liverpool against Arsenal. That's, that. that's what it's come to. Um, I, you know, as much as we might not like to say it, this Arsenal team are they're very much they've, they've closed the gap. I, I'll tell you this. I think the the prices we're getting. If it was a neutral venue, then we'd obviously, I think Liverpool would probably go off around 13 to 10 um, to, to win this game. But because we're getting Arsenal at home, you've got to pick them. I actually think that Arsenal should be favourites at home because I think the gap between the two is tighter than what these current odds are suggesting. Wow. Um, I, I honestly do. I think that they've closed the gap. Liverpool, you know, we, we still think that they're finding their feet. We still think they'll improve. But the way in which they're going about their business right now, I mean, away from home, they've shipped 1.5 expected goals against per game away from home. They've played against Fulham, Manchester United and Everton. They're, like two, The two teams there, Fulham and Everton, we would not be expecting them to cause Liverpool that many problems. Uh, and they have done. And that to me is the main a little bit of a, you know, it's a little bit of an an anomaly when those games play. I, I understand what you're saying here, and Fulham's been better than advertised as well. First game of the season, um, I, I, I'm willing to. I understand what you're saying here. I just. I will back Liverpool against Arsenal all day, every day. If you're giving me odds like this, I just I can't get past the point where you know I do not believe that Arsenal is a better side than Liverpool. I just do not. 
And so I'm working off that premise. And so I'm going to be heavily invested in this game. I can't wait for it. It should be, should be brilliant because a lot is on the line for both teams here, but I'll be heavily invested in goals and Liverpool in this game, Jake. So I definitely agree with you on the goals total. Um, I've got over three down as a, as my secondary play as well. I just think the, the defensive vulnerability, it could mean that we see an all out attack kind of will score more than you mindset, but just purely because they know they can't defend um, and that the chance of them keeping clean sheet is, is very, very minimal. So I think that plays into the overs for sure. I honestly, I just think this Arsenal team, they, you know, I, I think you're right. A month ago, we probably would, you wouldn't have this, this is picking, you probably have Liverpool slight favourites, but I do think the dial's moved. I think, um, I do think Liverpool, they, they have, they've not improved to the point that, that we expected them to. Um, and Arsenal have continued to show that level of, uh, that really consistent, really good level. As you said, they've won the XG total in all of their Premier League matches. I mean, the only other team to do that is Manchester City. So that kind of shows you what kind of level that they're currently at. And there have been some tough games in there. You know, Brentford away, for example, that's not an easy game. They went there last season, got beat 2-0. They've, they've come through that test. Crystal Palace away, they've come through that test with flying colours. This is this is a big test, but I, I just think that this is a re- this is it's a nice time to play Liverpool. I think if this game was maybe two months down the line, just before the World Cup break, or maybe just slightly after the World Cup break, I think that I would be looking the other way because I think Liverpool will have found their mojo. They will have got things back up and running. But they, this is a vulnerable this is a vulnerable Liverpool team that we're seeing right now. And to be honest, I think any team will be looking licking the lips at, at playing Liverpool. I, I, don't, I think the fear factor has gone for some uh, reason this this season. I think that, that many teams will go to Anfield just like Brighton did and, and, and believe they can get a result and when the welcome to Liverpool I think the, the same thing will happen I mean you know they, they've been they've been really disappointing for quite a lot of matches at Liverpool and um, across all competitions as well you know Napoli made them look very average and ordinary in the Champions League didn't they so you know I, I, I just think this is a really good time to play Liverpool Wow um, lastly on this Liverpool have to win this game Arsenal don't have to win this game Liverpool do um, I'm adding that to my context. I can't wait. Bring on Sunday already. Uh, also on Sunday, Everton and Manchester United. Everton, 11th place in the table, coming off an impressive 2-1 win over Southampton. Two goals in three minutes. Cody and McNeil get them. Their 2.58 XG in that game was their best of the season, although they were outshot in that game to Southampton, 22-12. to This Everton side... Um, under super Frankie Lampard. They haven't lost in their last seven. They're showing to be a little bit resilient and coming off back-to-back wins. They have gone under the two and a half goal total in six of their last seven games. They've only scored twice and can only conceded twice playing at Goodison Park this weekend. Still the injury issues, Godfrey, Mina, Patterson, Townsend, Holgate is Pretty remarkable that they've held it together so well. Covert Lewin will be a question mark for this one. United are coming off that 6-3 loss at Manchester City. Uh, Anthony scored a wonderful goal uh, in that loss. Anthony Martial returned as well. He scored a late brace as well. That loss, as ugly as it was, snapped a four-game win streak in the Premier League as well. Uh, They play... Uh, against Ammonia on Thursday in the Europa League. Maguire and Varane are out, which looks to be Lindelof and Martinez as the pairing preferred at the back for that one. Head-to-head, United have scored first in four of their last five games against Everton. Although Everton won 1-0 in this fixture last season and came away with the draw the two previous times that these sides met. United, in fact, has only won one of their last seven games against Everton in the Premier League. United are still a favorite, plus 106 for an away win, plus 271 for a home win for Everton. The draw will be a popular play based on history and context, plus 272 on that. The goal total set at 2.75, plus 106 for the over, minus 117 for the under. Is this a bounce back spot for Manchester United here? How do you read this game, Jake? I think it's a very difficult um, game for for Manchester United. Uh, Yeah, I I think this is a really tough test. The... You know, you've got the, you mentioned there, Everton are in really good form in terms of the fact they're not losing matches. Um, and actually, the 
they started fairly sluggishly in attack, but they've started to create quite a few good chances of late. And that that is definitely positive when welcoming Manchester United team that defensively look all over the place. And as you've said, have some real absentees now. Um, the other really big positive for me in the Everton side is, is that the home form has been really, really good under Lampard. Um, if you look at the last 10 games uh, at the Goodison Park, stretching back to last season, they've won five, drawn three, and only lost two, which is a a really really strong record and, and the, the process has been decent enough as well averaging uh, 1.1 expected goals and 1.3 expected goals against so slightly negative but still the kind of process you see from a, a bottom mid-table side um, United's away form process has been very bad defensively the, I, I raised these problems last week didn't know before the Manchester derby that well, they had a couple of good results. They kept a couple of clean sheets uh, against Southampton and Leicester and, and obviously beat Arsenal and, and Liverpool. They conceded really good chance in all of those matches and uh, and weren't punished. So uh, to see, you know, they got punished quite heavily last week against, the, the what, as we've said, the best attacking team in the, in the league. Um, and I think that this is a vulnerable spot for United. Um, I, I think that Everton, the way in which they coach right now, the way in which they're playing, it'll be a really difficult team to beat. I've got this down as a draw personally. Um, but I just thought that the prices taking Everton plus 0.5 on the Asian handicap at minus 115 uh, was my standout bet. I just I don't trust United just yet, and, and the kind of results that we've seen from Everton at Goodison definitely warrant uh, me getting them on side. I have a small lean to uh, a bounce back for United at plus 106. I will not be making a play in this game unless those odds shift considerably. Uh, let's go rapid fire. And I know you want to touch on uh, some of these games, including seventh place, Newcastle hosting 10th place, Brentford, Newcastle coming off that four, one win over Fulham. They are without Isak, Richie and Kraft. some very important players. St. Maximum still a little bit of a question mark as well. Brentford, you've documented it are a much different side playing at home and playing away, it's going to be a tough trip up to St. James's Park. Newcastle, a favorite, reflects that at minus 117. You wanted to touch on Newcastle here, Jake? Yeah, I think there's some juice on the Newcastle price this week. Um, I'm going to be backing them uh, to win at minus 117. Uh, and yeah, the, the underlying numbers that they put together, uh, particularly at home under Eddie Howe, have been really eye-catching. Um, it's 18 games in charge at home. They've lost just two of those. Um, but can you guess the two teams that beat them? Um, this season? No, they were both last season. Oh. It's the, the top two, Liverpool and Man City. Yeah, the only I, two teams to beat them at St. James's Park. I just remember City, but I didn't... Yeah, I figured it was Liverpool. Go ahead. Yeah, so that kind of reinforces how good that home form is in the sense that the two best teams in the league last season were the, are the only two teams to have beaten uh, Newcastle, absent James as under Eddie Howe. Uh, the underlying performances, they're, they're generating 1.7 expected goals for per game, just 1.3 expected goals against per game. So a really positive process over a, a long period of time. Um, and yeah, they're, they're really kicking and trending in the right direction. And you mentioned that they're missing a couple of key players there. I, I probably would put Isak and, and Sir Maxman down as the main two, mm-hmm. but they're still having no problems creating chances and, and scoring goals. Um, yeah, they, they scored four at Fulham. They should have scored four against Crystal Palace based on the XG tally. Um, so yeah, I, I really do think that Newcastle are a good bet this week. And as I've said, Brentford away from home, uh, there's, there's a lot to work on there. Um, they, they've expected goal difference per away game since their return to the Premier League at minus 0.4. Um, so that means that on a supremacy, um, on an average game supremacy basis, they are generally minus 0.4 of an expected goal worse off. Um, and that's not really a recipe for getting good results away from home. So yeah, um, yeah I like Newcastle. The Brentford 4-0 over United seems like ages ago. They've just won once in their last six in the Premier League. Um, one of my favorite plays of the week. I have to, I have to go back to the well 13th place Bournemouth base 19th place, Leicester city. I'll take this. I'm going over the two and a half goal total of minus one thirteen. And I know you're going to say, well, Wheeler Bournemouth just has 4.2 XG in their last eight games. This team looks like they're going to play to a goalless draw against average opponents each and every time. I simply can't bet against Leicester City right now. And I know their XG might not reflect it, but they're 
36 combined goals scored and conceded is the second most in the Premier League. And they've been free money betting on the over in every game but one. I cannot betray my Leicester City and the over the goal total bet here. At two and a half, Bournemouth needs to think that they should come out and force the issue a little bit against this Leicester City back line playing at home. I think the context is actually there to see some goals scored, potentially even by both teams in this game. Uh, I'm have to disagree with you. I've got this down. I know to you under. would. Yeah. You would. Um, the, as you said, you, you know, you've done all my talking for me. The underlying numbers and, and how bad both teams are at creating chances. So, yeah, the the unders it looks a backable price and, and you're right I think the only reason you get in this kind of price for under two and a half which is at plus one and three is because of the, the goals that Leicester are capable of scoring and um, yeah Bournemouth 4.2 expected goals over eight matches is simply pathetic um, and Leicester 8.5 through eight is equally as bad really fortunate to have scored 14 times and mentioned that there's been um, quite a few long range efforts that have gone in from the likes of Madison they're not going to consistently flying every single week uh, and then you have to say if, if that doesn't happen if they don't score those wonder strikes every week where are the goals coming from because they're not creating the chances um, and then also you factor in Bournemouth at home um, and the way in which they've defended at home as well um, you know 0.69 XG conceded to Villa they held Arsenal to 1.69 um, Wolves 1.88 Brentford 1.18. So they're not really giving up too many good chances. And um, I think that's kind of reflecting the fact that their totals at home have been fairly low. You know, they've had two nil-nils just out the last two home games. And I wouldn't be surprised if this was a nil-nil game either. I'm not going to bite the hand that feeds me. Go on, Lester. Let's go over that <laughs> total. We have to bang on here. We don't have much time. Oh, these um, will be quick, Gareth. Don't worry. I've not got many I, I do have a, I do have a play for West Ham and Fulham. Simply put, Fulham is decimated through injury. Mitrovic, William, Kurzawa, Tete, yeah. and Shalaba all injured. I like West Ham to win this game at home against Fulham at minus 125. I know that, you know, you might not be getting much juice there, but there's still enough. I think Fulham are in a lot of trouble heading into this one. Yeah, that, that was that was the only one of the three games left that I had half a play on, which was effectively, if there's no Mitrovic, then back West Ham. That, that, that's, that would be my bet in this one. Um, he's the main threat, really. Uh, without him, Fulham really do struggle. So if Mitrovic is not fit, which obviously he got, he got taken off last week, um, then West Ham at that kind of price would be very backable. Uh, Palace and Leeds, I don't have a play here at all. Neither side has won in their last four. Is there anything that that stands out to you? Uh, not, not for me. Um, what I would say is that, that I'm, uh, I'm happy that Palace have come through that really bad start to the season from a schedule standpoint. And things will start to get easier. Uh, but this, for me, I can't get in on them straight away against a, a technically easier opponent. I've got to, I've got to watch and see what kind of level they can produce against the team that they should be beating. Uh, Monday nights are for scoring goals. Forest and Villa. Uh, Nottingham Forest getting all kinds of shine playing on Mondays, uh, although they lost 4-0. In their last four games, Forest has conceded 4-3-3-6. Yikes. At the time of recording, we don't know if Steve Cooper is in or out. I don't know how you expect him to bring like 20 players together and actually have a team playing rather than individuals that quickly. I, I can't back Forrest. I can back over the total of two and a half at plus 101, though. It's time for Villa to start scoring some goals. That's my a small a half play in that game for me. I've got zero plays in this one. Um, uh, there's so many question marks around Nottingham Forest right now. I, I wouldn't be able to get involved in a, in a proper play. And I'm not really sold on Villa either from an attacking standpoint or just in general. So really difficult one to, to decipher that one. I'm happy to just have a watching brief and hope for another high scoring game. I actually think that Forrest can score goals in here, but I think that Villa might have a little bit too much here as well. Did you deal with your best bet of the week? Did you make it official? Um, I don't think I did, no. Um, my best bet of the week is actually going to be Wolves plus one and a half on the Asian handicap at minus 126. Um, yeah, I, I think that this, I, I, like I said, I think Chelsea will win the game. I don't think they'll cover um, the handicap. I, don't, I can't see them winning two goals or more. All right. Mine's the over Arsenal Liverpool um, at three goals. 
What was the number? Minus 103? Uh, I can't Plus 103. Plus 103. Yeah. So we're going to run with the total train until it turns its ugly back on me and I end up um, losing this beautiful shirt I'm wearing here today. Um, Premier League predictions articles, weekly La Liga predictions articles, uh, stay informed and up to date across the pinnacle social channels check out our puncher's chance boxing podcast as well ahead of connor ben and chris eubank jr which goes down this weekend at pinnacle on twitter at pinnacle sports on youtube myself at gareth wheeler at jake oz with two z's odds are correct at the time of this recording and remember to please gamble responsibly pinnacle.com your place for the best odds and we have we had champions league midweek as well well champions league next week as well so plenty of football to get into uh, best of luck this weekend except for that arsenal game jake uh great job yeah. as usual we'll have to get one of those little polls on twitter won't we uh, you're gonna back with some boxing gloves on i can't believe united supporter gareth wheeler is going to be heavy in on liverpool this weekend when the numbers are presented that way how can i turn my back on that wonderful opportunity that's myself on behalf of jake and everyone at pinnacle i am wheels this has been epl insights with data provided by infogold